Offer me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of evil and cruel men. For you have been my hope, O sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. Be not far from me, O God. Come quickly, O my God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I know not its measure. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who come. And the New Testament reading, Romans 10, 8 through 13. But what does scripture say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I don't know if all of you are fans of movies. I don't know if all of you are fans of Star Wars movies in particular, but it is a disease that my family and I have. And uh, so if you have seen uh, a movie called The Force Awakens, came out recently, right? Uh you know, there's a, a new character you meet in this story, a character named Finn. And uh, he's trying to pretend to be something he's not. And so at one point in the movie, he, he has this kind of well-known line, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal in the resistance, you know. Now, he's not part of the resistance, he's not a big deal, but he once everybody think he is. So, as though just saying it can make it happen, he says at a key moment, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind, of a, kind of a big deal in the resistance. And, of course, later he gets mocked for this, as all people should, you know, when they try to pre- pretend to be a big deal when they aren't. Uh, and so another key character likes to kind of throw that back in his face. Okay, big deal. So so does something become a big deal just because somebody says it's a big deal? 
because we put a day like this on our calendar to schedule a worship service that has some parts in it that we don't normally have, and we invite some families from out of town, grandparents, aunts, uncles, dress everybody up, put on ties and coats, and does that make this day a big deal? When when t- 10 people stand up and the, for the first time ever say, Jesus is our Lord. Is that a big deal just because we said it was? Or is it really a big deal? It's really a big deal. And it's been a big deal for a long time. Right? Uh, the Apostle Paul had something to say about that in Romans chapter 10, but that's a few decades into the story. If you look back at the book of Acts as it tells the story of the first weeks and months and first few years of the history of the Christian church, you hear people saying things like this. This is about five weeks after Jesus died and rose again and ascended to heaven. The Apostle Peter was preaching in Jerusalem, and he, uh, he spoke about the fact that God, raising Jesus from the dead, had proven, demonstrated that Jesus is the Lord. And so this is what Peter had to say, reading from the book of Joel, one of the prophets from the Old Testament, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So five weeks after Jesus died and rose again, already the Christian church was saying, here's part of what it means to be a Christian, is to stand up and call on the name of the Lord. And then a few years later, Peter, again, is preaching. This time he's not in Jerusalem. He's in uh, a town nearby, and he's, he's preaching in the home of a man named Cornelius. And he has this to say about what it means to, to speak the truth about Jesus. Peter says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Do you hear what Peter's doing? And what the church is doing in the early weeks and years of its history? Saying, if you want a quick summary of, what, of our message, of the truth we're trying to tell to the whole world, it is this. Jesus is the Lord of all, and anybody who calls on him will not be put to shame. Jesus is the Lord And we want people to call on the name of the Lord. That's the early months, weeks, years of the church's history. And then we fast forward a few decades and we hear the Apostle Paul say things like this in Romans chapter 10. Pat, one of our elders, read it for for us earlier. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus is Lord. Just a quick summary of everything that Christians believe, just right there in those three 
little words. This is a big deal, and it has been a big deal for a long time. Paul also wrote a letter to a church in Corinth. He wrote a series of letters, so 1 Corinthians. He says, nobody can say Jesus is Lord except through the Holy Spirit. Here he is trying to summarize the whole Christian message in one sentence, and he picks that phrase, Jesus is Lord, is a big deal for somebody to stand up and say, Jesus is Lord. It's a big deal the first time they do that, and it's a big deal every other time they do that for the rest of their life. And it's been a big deal for a long time. But why? Why is this a big deal? Why is it such a big deal to say Jesus is Lord and really believe it? Notice that Paul, as he describes it, talks about a a match between what's going on in our heart and what's coming out of our mouth. He's not talking about just saying empty words, right? Why is it such a big deal that a human being would become convinced that Jesus is the Lord of all and then would stand up and say, I want to be numbered among those who make this declaration, Jesus is Lord. Why is that such a big deal? Because it involves saying together with other people who matters the most. Saying together with all the other people who have said this over centuries and in every place that we we agree together on this one thing we know who matters the most that's what it means to confess Jesus as Lord the Lord is the one who matters the most think about that for a minute saying that together with all these other people I do not live in a century when you have to heat your house by burning wood. You can do that, but you don't have to. I don't live in a century where you keep the floor clean by spreading hay over it. People did that in medieval castles. I don't live in a century where you have to sweep the floor because the floor is dirt. It was like that in the first century. It's like that in a lot of villages still today. I didn't live then. I don't have a whole lot in common with people who lived in those other centuries. And yet, I have this big deal in common. Jesus is Lord. I haven't lived in all these other places. I, I, my skin isn't black. I... I I don't come from ancestors who grew up in Africa. I wasn't born speaking German or Spanish. Spanish came later as I became more cultured and refined. (laughs) Right, Yuri? (laughs) Uh, There's so much I don't have in common with people who live in other places. And yet, we all say together, all of us who belong to Jesus... This one common thing, Jesus is Lord. Together we say, who matters the most to us? When we say Jesus is Lord, we're saying Jesus matters more than everything else put together. We're saying Jesus matters more to us than any human power. 
You see, when Paul wrote these words about saying Jesus is Lord, confessing that with your mouth, and he wrote it to people who lived in Rome, they knew what it was like to say someone is Lord. There was a common saying in the Roman Empire in the first century. Caesar Curios. Caesar is Lord. Well, of course Caesar's Lord. He's the most powerful human being on the face of the planet in the first century, right? He represents all the power of Rome. He represents the mightiest armies anywhere. He represents the most sophisticated political institutions that any of those people living in all those nations had ever seen or heard about or known. Sure, you'd pick out somebody like him and say he's the Lord. And Paul says, no, 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 no. If you belong to Jesus, you've changed your mind about that. The most important person isn't the most important and powerful human being. The most important person is Jesus. So what each of these ten children said here today, what all of us have said if we've confessed our faith in Jesus as Lord is Jesus, we think we'll be okay even if American politics go to pot. We think we'll be all right even if the EU comes undone. Even if Brexit, the church in Britain will be okay because Jesus is Lord. Jesus matters more to us than all these human institutions and powerful leaders. Now, Does this mean that we don't care about what's happening in the world of politics? No. Uh, If you kept reading a couple chapters in Romans, Paul has some things to say about what it means for a Christian to be a good citizen. But being a good citizen never becomes the most important thing because we've said Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. Jesus is Lord, not a political party. Not a nation state. Not powerful human institutions like economies and medical care systems and entertainment networks. Not even social media. Jesus is Lord. We will be okay. No matter what happens in all those other other parts of human life. He matters more than all of that put together. Jesus is the one who matters the most. He matters this way to the whole human race. Jesus matters most, not just to some people in some places. Paul, by saying Jesus is Lord to people who live where you're used to saying Caesar is Lord, is saying, hey, if you're one of these non-Jewish people who embrace the Roman government and your citizenship is there. Jesus matters most to you. But if you're Jewish, you didn't grow up saying Caesar is Lord. What did you grow up saying? You grew up saying God is Lord. The God of the Old Testament is the Lord. And Paul is saying, yeah. And that God, that creator God, has taken on human flesh and he's walked on our planet 
And his death and his resurrection matter to everybody, everywhere. So whether you grew up religious, calling God the Lord, or you grew up worshiping statues and idols and pagan gods and goddesses where Caesar is Lord. Here's what it means to be a Christian, to say Jesus is Lord. He matters more than our ethnicity. He matters more than the religious background we grew up with. I toured a a place in Costa Rica on my last visit there with our friends Rodney and Jana Davila. And they showed me a plaque on the wall of this cathedral where in the 1800s the government of Costa Rica said "The, the patron saint of our whole nation is the patron saint of this cathedral. So that as a result, today, if somebody stops being Catholic and stops honoring that patron saint, it feels to them like they've stopped being Costa Rican. There's such a, there's such a connection between their country, their culture, and their faith. You see what Jesus is doing here for us through his word? He's saying, I, I, want, I want to set you free from some of that confusion your first allegiance is not to the country where you grew up your first allegiance is not to the culture you're comfortable with and familiar with your first allegiance is to the person who matters the most and he matters the most no matter where you are on the planet so you're always at home you're never somewhere that he isn't your lord You will be okay. He is the one who matters the most. He matters more than all of our failures and our rebellion. And the fact that we're supposed to love God and love people and we are cold toward God and cold toward people. How do we know that? Paul talks to us about believing in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead. Why did he die? Did he die because Caesar is Lord and Caesar was stronger than Jesus and Caesar won? No. God raised him from the dead. Nothing was stronger than Jesus, not even death. Why did Jesus die? He died because of our failures, of our rebellion against the God who created us. When we confess that Jesus is Lord, we're saying, You matter more than everything else put together. And that includes you mattering more than all of my failures. You mattering more than all of my sins, all of my wickedness, all of my lies, all of my jealousies, all of my lusts. You matter more than all of that. That is my hope. My hope isn't that I'm a pretty good person. And if I go to church enough, I'll get even better. My hope is you. You are my Lord. Now, when you're 10, when you're 11, when you're 8, when you're 9, you don't yet understand everything that it means to say that Jesus is Lord. You'll find out more as you get older. I was 21 when I got married. Did I know what I was getting into? No. 25 years later, I found out more. 
And it's good. Right? What does it mean to confess that Jesus is Lord? It means when I don't know what to do next, I will do what Jesus tells me. Jesus, what do you say to me in your word? That's what I will do. It means when I don't know where to go next, I will go where you are leading me. It means when I don't know who I am anymore and I've forgotten what's the most important about me, I will turn to you and say, Lord Jesus, you remind me who I am. You define my identity for me because I'm not good at it. And it means when I have blown it so bad, I think nobody could ever love me again. And there's no hope for me. That I will not listen to the voices in my own heart. I will instead turn to Jesus and say, what do you think of me? And he will say this, no one who calls on the name of the Lord will be put to shame. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Is it a big deal? Is it a big deal when somebody who wants to be their own Lord stands up and says, Jesus, you are the Lord? You better believe it is a big deal. A very big deal. When we confess Jesus as Lord, we're invited to take part of the Lord's Supper. Why do we call it the Lord's Supper? Basically because we believe he is the host. That he is the one who is here today inviting people to come. So that anybody who has confessed him as Lord, openly, publicly, standing up and saying, yes, we're we're one of those people who named Jesus as our Lord. If you've done that, then the Lord is saying, come to the table, eat. So today, these ten newest members of our congregation are going to take part in the Lord's Supper for the first time. Why is that? Why do we baptize children when they're too small to speak and then make them wait to receive the Lord's Supper? The answer is, we believe the Lord told us to do it that way. In his word, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says that a person ought to examine themselves before they come to receive the Lord's Supper. And that person ought to be able to know that they're in a right relationship with the body of Christ. So that before we take part of this supper, we ought to know what does it mean to be part of the church? What does it mean to have right relationships with people who are in the church? And what does it mean to be able to examine my own life and heart to see if those things are true in in me? And the idea being that probably when you're four years old, you can't examine yourself in that way. So it's not because we have some tradition or some rule that we've made up. We're just trying to be consistent with what the Lord's Word teaches. So, Lord's Word teaches that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and He broke it. And He said, This is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And it says that after the meal, Jesus took a cup. The cup was full of wine. He said, 
This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of many. Drink from it, all of you, and do this in remembrance of me. What was Jesus teaching? It was the night before he died. And he was saying, It is my broken body and it is my blood poured out that will be the source of life for you. You need what I'm going to accomplish through my death more than you need food and drink. Food and drink will keep your body alive for one more day. My death will keep all of you alive forever. That's what it means for Jesus to be the Lord. If you belong to the Lord, if you've named him as yours, if you're living as one who belongs to him, then the Lord Jesus invites you. Take, eat, drink, do this in remembrance of him.